the podcast of the Doral Vineyard Church. This is a message by Denver Lee. If you're still uncomfortable with some of the ideas of, of, of what church is and what church is supposed to be like, um, I, I, I want to invite you to the Doral Vineyard. I want to invite you to be a part of a movement that is, I believe, just something that, that, that the Lord is doing. Um, my goal here as a senior pastor is not to duplicate another church experience, but rather to find out what is God doing. Uh, because if, if it's not what God is doing on the earth, I mean, we can get businessmen to run churches and to entertain us, but, if, but, I, but I believe that you and I came here because we believe that God is good, that we gather here because we believe that God is powerful and that, and that God speaks, and so shame on us if we don't allow him to demonstrate that to us. Um, so, I, 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 um, so please just, just, just be encouraged. If, if you're uncomfortable, it's okay. There's, there's a few moments I was uncomfortable too, so you're in good company. Um, I always get uncomfortable in these moments because for those of you who know me personally, I'm, I'm very, you know, um, very regimented. Um, so it does make me un- uncomfortable as well, but I believe that the Lord is in the business of people. And so that's the kind of business that he invites us to be in. Um, when you came in today, you should have gotten um, a little bulletin and a little booklet. Normally, for, the, for those of you who, who frequent the Dara Vineyard, normally we give you a little insert to take some notes. What I want to encourage for the next few weeks, I want to encourage you all to begin to write. Every single person in this room, I want to encourage you to begin to write. Um, and this is extremely important. And, and there's a little thing on the, the, first, the first page that kind of explains why I'm doing this and, and, and why we're believing this is true. How many of you were part of the conference last week and had the opportunity to be here last week, Sunday, with, with Christina Collins? How, how many of you really enjoyed that? It was a good time. You guys really, like, heard from the Lord. And, you know, um, jur- journaling and, and, and writing and, and keeping account of what the Lord is saying is of utmost importance in your walk with the Lord. When you're walking with the Lord and you're reading through Scripture— and sometimes, listen, guys, we've had the same book for a really long time. It's one, it, 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 it's one book filled with 66 other books, and we've had it for a long time. I've been reading the same book for almost 10 years, the same book, and I've gotten through it. Like, people, it, it's like kids who have Harry Potter. They just move on to the next one and to the next one, but we keep reading the same thing over and over and over and over again. And one of the reasons why is because the Bible has a promise that there's power on the words, and when you read through it, the Lord speaks to you. So there are many times when I would read through one passage, and, and, and the Holy Spirit would, would come, and I would get a sense for what's going on in that passage. And sometimes it goes beyond that. I, I made a statement the other day that when Jesus quotes the Old Testament, oftentimes he quotes it out of context, right? When, when Jesus quotes the Old Testament passages, oftentimes he, he doesn't quote it to give um, a, an expository type of teaching. He uses portions of the scripture and the spirit moves on it and it translates into the circumstances and the situation of the day. That's how Jesus uses the Old Testament passages because the Holy Spirit is the one who's using it and he's not teaching and, and giving dissertations oftentimes when he quotes it. And so when we read through scripture, the Holy Spirit moves on scripture and he impresses your heart for you. And so you might read something and it just stands out and it just positions itself a little bit differently. That's God talking to you. And what I want to invite you to do throughout this week is to just journal that. Just, just to write down insights and ideas and thoughts that come up as you read through the scripture. Even today, throughout worship, if the Lord is speaking something to you throughout the message, I'm going to say a lot of stuff. Some of the stuff that you hear might not be what I say, and that's okay. Jot those things down too, and, and take this week and reflect upon it. This is how we grow in our relationship with the Lord. This is how you practice hearing the Lord for yourselves. And I think that it is really important for us to practice hearing God, because God speaks to us. Um, so today, I, I, I want to begin um, a little series we're going to go through for the next three weeks called The Gospel. And, and I want to talk about the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And for those of you who's, who's ever heard me teach or talk about the kingdom, um, I, I had some, someone ask me, you, do you think you could really do this in three weeks? And the answer is no. I cannot teach about the kingdom of God in three weeks because last time I taught about the kingdom of God, I think it took me like six or seven weeks, and I still left feeling like there's so much I didn't say. 
Um, and and because, it, it, because Jesus does a lot and talks a lot about the kingdom of God. But what I want to tap into today is, is b- before we start talking about the gospel, before we start talking about the kingdom of God, I want to talk a little bit about why the gospel and why the kingdom is important to you. Um, oftentimes when we teach on things like this, it could be very theological and it could be very idea-centered. And these are not great ideas for us to understand. They're not concepts for us to remember, fight, and argue about. And I want to impress upon you how the, the gospel, the message of the gospel, and how the message of the kingdom is important and necessary for your lives as believers. And so before we start to talk about what it is and how it is, I want to talk about why it's important to you, because otherwise I think we will just be people who just learn some new information without proper application. So um, my main text is, is going to come out of um, Luke 4 today, and, um, and some of the verses are going to be back there on the screen if, if you'd like to follow along that way. And I'm going to ask you to, to write a few things down as we go along. And so I want to talk about the mission. I want to talk about mission. I talk about your, your mission because the gospel is a mission. The kingdom of God is a mission. And, and, and mission simply just means to move forward. Mission means to move forward. Like you are moving, you're being sent out, you're going somewhere. And one of the things that I've, I find is that God's people have a tendency throughout history to get stuck. God's people just have this tendency that we get somewhere and then we get stuck. We, we, we saw that even on the onset, um, Terah, Abraham's father, was stuck. His son died, and he got stuck in a certain place, and he couldn't move from this place. And, and God called Abraham and told Abraham, you need to leave. You need to move forward. We, we, we see that even with the Israelites. The Israelites got stuck in Egypt. And, and first, it was just a, a place of refuge. It was a good thing. But the freedom that they had in Egypt soon became a prison, and they got stuck in Egypt. And then God came and rescued them from Egypt, and they were to go to the promised land, passing through the wilderness. They got stuck in the wilderness. And, the, and then the wilderness became a time of blessing and seeing God's goodness. And then God had to free them from the wilderness and into the promised land. When they got into the entrance of the promised land, they got stuck. And before they had to take over the promised land, and when they took over the promised land and they finally established it with kings and judges, they came to a point where they got stuck again. And we continually see this pattern. God comes and frees his people. He sends them to go somewhere and they get stuck along the way. And even when Jesus comes, Jesus comes in a time where the Jewish people are stuck. They're, they're stuck with this religion. That, and Jesus comes to break them free from this religious mindset that they have. And he says, there's grace and there's a kingdom and there's something more. And he pushes them a little bit forward. And then even after he pushes them forward, and in the book of Acts, we see the same thing happen. They get filled with the Holy Spirit and then they get stuck in Jerusalem. And then when they get stuck in Jerusalem, the persecution has to come and the persecution sends them out. And then they finally go. And it's just this pattern throughout history. God frees us and something keeps us stuck, keeps us trapped. But we're called to be missional. And one of the things that has worked for my life and, and, and for so many of the other saints I find is that we keep a hold of the mission. We keep a hold of the mission. This is, this is why throughout the Old Testament, you'll always see the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, called you to the promised land. I've given you this land. The continual remembrance of the promise. The continual remembrance of the mission. This is why you have to go. This is why you have to take it over because I've sent you. I called Abraham and now you guys have to go. I've called Jacob and you have to go because there's a mission that's much greater. And the moment you forget the mission, you will get stuck. The moment you forget the mission, you will get stuck. And oftentimes as Christians, if we don't have a hold of the mission that, that, that Christ called us to, we will get stuck. But God is on a mission. And so I want to ask the question, what have you dedicated your life to? What, what have you dedicated your life to? And how do you make decisions that build on the foundation? Like, how do you decide what you do with your life? Like, how do you decide, like, what school you go to, what job you work, where you live? Like, how, how do you make these kinds of a decision? Like, what's the process? Just whatever comes up, whatever pays the most, whatever feels the best. Like, what is the process by which we make life's important decisions? Like, how, how many kids should I have? Like, how should I raise my kids? How should we do this? How do you decide how you're going to live your life? What church should I go to? What circle of friends should I be in? Like, what books should I read? What shows should I watch? What teaching should I listen to? How do you decide how you live your life? And we make silly decisions if we don't have a picture and a mission before us. I have a little confession. When I, um, 
students don't listen to this, but when I was in grade school, when I was in grade school, I had a full-time job, and um, and and and, um, and working this this full-time job, I I was in the twelfth grade, um, and I was getting ready to like to take on more responsibility and take on some some management. And I was eighteen years old, and I remember going to take the SAT. And I remember thinking, like, man, this is really getting in the way of my schedule because I needed to work. Um, I was a manager at, at Wild Oats, which is now Whole Foods, and, um, and I was taking on some management roles, and, and, and things were going great. But then the SAT was on a Saturday morning. Like, that was big business hour, and, like, I, I managed a department, and I needed to take care of some things. And so I took the day off, and so I had to work Friday night a little bit longer to take care of things for Saturday. And I went to the SATs. And I put my name on that piece of paper, and I bubbled a few things. And I was like, man, like, I have a great job, and I really don't need this anyway. Don't listen to this, guys. This is terrible. Don't, don't do this. And I figured, I don't need this anyway. And so I just, like, Christmas tree, just filled in a few bubbles. You know, it's like D-E-F-E-N-A-B-B-B-B-C, you know, like B-B-B-B-C. And then, you know, and so you just fill in some of the bubbles. Needless to say, I didn't do well on, on, on the SAT, um, which, which I later on re- regretted because it took me some time to recoup from that. But I find that that's how some of us make decisions. We just close our eyes and just like, it's like that one. Like, how am I going to raise my kids? Ah, like that one. You know, like, like, like how do I decide like that one? And, and there's no real, like, like, how do you make life's big decisions? Like, like how, like... Say, like, have you said no to great opportunities? Let me tell you something. If you have not said no to great opportunities, you're living your life based on a wrong system. Like, great opportunities will come. And if you take every great opportunity that comes, because we, because we even have a church culture that tells us that everything that's good that happens in our lives is God, and everything that's bad is not God. And that's not true. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But what is, what is the pattern by which you make life's most important decisions? And I put it in this way. What is your mission statement? What is your life's mission statement? So um, just start off. I want to have some fun here. I'm going to read some big company mission statements. And I want you to guess what company it is, right? So the, the first one is to provide fast and easy video access and the ability to share videos. YouTube. That's YouTube's mission statement, right? So that's what they do. That is their mission statement. All right. To organize a world, the, the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Google. That is Google's mission statement. You guys are good. You guys, you, you guys are good. To, to, be, to, to be Earth's most customer-centric company and to build a place where people can come to find and discover anything that they might want to buy. Amazon, Amazon, you guys are internet junkies. All right. Um, to, to inspire human nature and human spirit, one person, one cup, one neighborhood at a time. Starbucks, you guys are awesome. That's good. So, so these are, these are, I'm really kind of disappointed that you guys know that, but, but, but these are, <laughs> I would not have known all these. <laughs> But these are, these are solid mission statements. Com- companies get it. If we have a mission statement, it keeps us focused and it keeps us going. So mission statements, even in your marriage, there's a mission statement. Your, your marriage has a mission statement. I want to share my marriage's mission statement. This is, this is what I, I said to my wife on the day that we got married. Can you bring, bring that one up? It says, Krista, I love you. And I know that you are my gift from God. And I want to be your husband, that we might serve Christ together through all of the uncertainties and trials of this life, I promise to love God, protect, and be faithful to you so that together we may grow in the likeness of Christ and our lives may be a praise to him. This is, this is our promise. So, and this is before I was a pastor. So this is not like, oh, I'm trying to be a pastor. So, so like, this is, this is like, this, is, this was our decision on how we were going to live our lives together. This was our mission statement. Like, your vows are your mission statement. And so anytime anything happens, you go back to those vows. I, I had some, some friends over, and I was reading through this. So like, you, you read your wedding vows? I was like, yeah, I need to get back to the place of finding out what is this all about anyway. Because sometimes things happen. You have kids. You got stuff going on. Decisions come up. You need to remember. No, 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 listen. We, we can't do that because, because we promise that our lives will be a praise to him. 
Like anything that we do, we need to make sure that our lives are being appraised to him. That is the mission statement of our marriage. That is the mission statement of why we're doing what we do. In the back of your booklets, um, I, I've, I printed on, on there Dural Vineyard's mission statement. Dural Vineyard's mission statement. Our mission is to develop a community of disciples who are committed to knowing God and partnering with the mission of Christ and making God known. We worship God, follow Christ, and love people. This is our mission statement. Everything that we do is aimed towards this end. What you saw here this morning is, is aimed towards that end. We want to make God known to people. We want to love people. That is, that is a big portion of our mission statement. That's why we dedicate our time, our effort, every single money and, and every single dime that comes in here goes towards fulfilling this mission. That's what this is all about. So we never lose track. If, if you have no mission, you will lose track. And so what is Jesus's message and mission statement? Like Jesus comes on, on the scene and what is his mission statement? So I, I, I put a, a few different things on, on there that talks about Jesus' missional objectives. These are things that Jesus says, this is why I have come. He makes it clear, I came for this specific reason. So he says, I came to be a light to those who are in darkness. That's John 12, 46. He says, I came to fulfill the law, Matthew 5, 17. He says, I came to give abundant life, John 10. He says, I came to be a kingly witness, John 18. He says, I came to call sinners, Mark 2. I came to save sinners, 1 Timothy. I came to seek and save the lost, Luke 19. Right? He, he, he came to give his life as a ransom for many, Matthew 20. He came to demonstrate God's love, 1 John 4. He came to judge the world, John 9. He came to be a sword that divides people, Matthew 10. And he came to preach the kingdom of heaven, Mark 1. So these are Jesus's missional objectives. So he's making, so he's saying, I came to do this and I came to do this. And, and, and there's different things that, that, that he's saying that he came to do. And these are all objectives in his mission. There's a bigger mission that he's come to fulfill, but these are just objectives depending on where he is. He's lining up what he's doing according to this bigger mission. And I think if Jesus had one mission statement, um, it, it'll probably be his proclamation in, in Luke where, where, where he read in the synagogue. And I want to read that out of Luke 4. Um, and it's going to be the main portion of what we talk about today. Luke 4, verse 18. Jesus unrolls the scroll and he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery for the side of the blind and to oppress the, uh, and set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So that's what we saw here this morning. We talk about freedom. This, that's Jesus' mission. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't come to entertain us. Jesus didn't come to do magic tricks. Jesus did not come to, to, to come and make him, himself known in, in, in this great and glorious kind of way. He came for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. And this is at the onset of his ministry. And what I want to look at is why Jesus' mission is so important to us. Why is Jesus' mission so important? So my mission statement for my marriage is probably not that important to you. Right? That's important to me and my wife. The mission statement of this church hopefully is important to you if you consider Doral Vineyard your church body. Hopefully that, that mission statement is important to you, right? Um, Google's mission statement, I don't know how important that is to you. Apparently some of you memorize it, so it's super important. But, but that's you. Star, Starbucks mission statement is kind of important to me a lot because, you know, I, I like Starbucks. So, so what, what mission statement is important to you? Right? Jesus' mission statement is important to us because when we say yes to Jesus, we're responding to an invitation. Right? Every, every single person in this room, the moment you said yes to Jesus, you were responding to an invitation that was extended towards you. And the invitation was not to a better life. That was not the invitation. The, the invitation was, was not that things would get easier and easier. That was not the invitation that he extended to us. He did not invite us to security. That was not the invitation. And so sometimes I think that some of us um, along the way misunderstand the invitation that Jesus extends to us. Because when we say yes, it's like Jesus says, come and die. And we say, what do you mean? A better life? Okay. It's like, no, no, you didn't hear me. Come and bow yourself low to the point of death. Say, oh, I, I get to have more money? Okay. Say, come, give up everything you have and follow me. Oh, I get to have everything I want. Okay. Like the invitation that he extends has to be the thing that we're saying yes to. Because oftentimes I find that I find myself even saying yes to something that Jesus did not extend to me. 
He did not extend certain, certain things, and that is what we're looking for. Now, do these things come along the way? Can they come along the way? Yes, but that is not what he extended to us. That is not the mission that he has for us. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we are called to follow the man and to follow the mission. I want you to write that down in your books. You're, I am called to follow the man, Jesus, and to follow the mission. That's what he invites you to. He says, leave everything you have and come follow me. That's the man. And then he says, I will make you fishers of men. That's the mission. Right? To follow the man and to follow the mission. This is what Jesus invites you to. If, if there's some good things along the way, great. If it gets worse, that's what you signed up for. That's what you signed up for, better or for worse. I'm going to give up everything I have to follow this man because I'm convinced that he is God in the flesh. I'm, I'm convinced that he's the perfect and only the absolute manifestation of God in heaven, the creator. And so I'm saying yes to following him. Who better to direct your life? Who better to t- Google can't tell you what to do. I don't care how great of a mission. Google, for those of you who Google everything, I know some people who just Google as much as they possibly can. Every question that they have, what school should my child go to? Google. Like, what kind of diet should I have? Google. What's a great neighborhood to live in? Google. There, there, is, there is no greater person, entity, business, company on earth by which you can leave, live your life according to than God. He's the one who started it all. He's the one who ends it all. He's the one who holds it all together. He, he, he is the truth. He is the answer. He is the thing you're looking for. Google might lead you into some directions, right? But, but, but Jesus comes as the one creator. And who better to, who better to leave your life? What better thing to give your life to? And if you're in this place and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, there's nothing better that you can give your life to. I've met so many people who give their lives up. Like I met a lot of women who give their lives up for men. I'm like, that's a really bad decision. That's a really bad decision. It's like, I'm just going to go wherever he wants me to go. Ah, that's, that's terrible. That's not good. I'm going to be who he wants me to be. I'm going to be as pretty as he thinks I should be. I'm going to work as hard so that he would love me more and more. That's a terrible, he doesn't know anything about you. He didn't make you. He doesn't know what makes you tick. He doesn't know your ins and outs. He doesn't know what makes you happy. He doesn't know how to comfort you in the way you need to be comforted. God, the creator, Jesus, the one who made your soul, he knows you. And he said, let me guide you. Let me live your life. There is, listen, there is no better, if you're still, if you're still trying to live to please your parents, give it up. If, if you're still trying to live to please your spouses, give it up. Give it up because, they, because we can make the commands on your life. If you're living for the American dream, give it up because the American dream puts some demands on your life and we can work hard and try to meet it. I need to have a better job so I can get more money so I could buy better things. I bow down to the American dream. I serve you. And these are the commands that, but Jesus says, I know what makes you tick. You can buy more stuff. You, you, you can dye your hair. You can get your nails did, your feet did. You can get everything done that you think that you need. But I know you. I know the best place for you is to get on a plane and to fly out of this country and be amongst the orphans. Because there is nothing that's going to please you but that. Get a bigger house if you want to. Marry the man with the nicest car if you want to. Man, get a better job if you want to. Climb the corporate ladder. CEO, do that if you want to. But I know what makes you tick. I know the purposes that I put in you. I know, what, I know what you thrive on. And so when I call you, it might look hard because you got to give up some of these things. You might got to leave that boyfriend, leave that girlfriend. You might got to leave that neighborhood, give up that good school. You might got to leave that good neighborhood and go live in the ghetto. Whatever it is that he's calling you, I know what makes you tick. That's why you've got to follow him. No one knows you better. No one knows you better. My wife is convinced that I don't know her as well as Jesus does. And so sometimes I'm like, baby, just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus because I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. Guys, that's one of the best things you could do. I don't know what to tell you. Don't know what to tell you. Don't know. I don't know the answer. Sometimes there's a problem like, I don't know what the answer is. I'll probably mess it up if I try. Like, what is it? Let's pray. Let's just see what Jesus is saying because he knows you and he loves you way more than me. He loves you way more than me. I love my wife, but I know that Jesus loves her way more than I do. Who better for her to follow? And, and my job, and, and the moment when she will follow me, she'll only follow me because I follow him. The moment I stop following Christ, I expect her to stop following me because she recognizes that he's the only one that knows her. 
There's no one better to follow. This is why his mission is so important to us. And, and, and so as, as Christians, when we say yes, we're agreeing to give our whole lives over to the purposes of Jesus. Not to the purposes of your career, not to the purposes of your ambition, not to the purposes of, of whatever scholarly thing you're pursuing. You're giving your entire life over to the purposes of Christ. What does he want to do on the earth? He becomes the one who's in charge. He calls the shots. Like, this is what it means to be laid down lovers. Like, I trust you more than I trust me. Like, I don't even, this, this decision is uncomfortable for me, but I feel like this is what you're saying. And I'll go, and, I, and then this is where I often get the question, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong, Denville? What if I do this thing and I'm wrong? What if I think I hear God saying something and I'm wrong? What if I get on a plane and I go to Zimbabwe and I'm wrong? And I get eaten by a lion, all right? <laughs> <laughs> what if you're wrong? You, you'll be dead, so it doesn't matter. Right, but what if, what, what, if, what, if, what if you're wrong? Here is, here, is how I, here is how I gauge the what if I'm wrong portion. I think that if I believe that I hear God, if I believe truly that I hear God, and I'm praying and I'm pressing and I'm asking him, Lord, just confirm if this is you. I just want to know that this is you. How many of you feel like I, I, I would make this decision if I'm certain that it's God? How, how many of you have, like, if, if I just knew for sure that it was God, I would do it. And, and one of the reasons why we don't do it is because we're still not really sure. Anyone? I'm still not really sure. All right. So here, here is my advice to you. Do it. This, this is where you get stuck. This is, this, is, this is where you get stuck. You know, um, do it scared. Pray about it. Spend time with him. Seek him. Do it scared. Do it afraid. I don't believe that you will get to heaven and Jesus will say, you left your job because you thought you heard me and you went to Zimbabwe. That wasn't me. You get to go to hell. I don't think that Jesus is going like, to, like a good, a good father, you know, and I tell the story all the time of my son. Sometimes my son comes running and he thinks that I called him. It's like, daddy, did you call me? I didn't call you. But he dropped everything he had and he came running because he thought he heard my voice. Now, when he comes, I'm not going to say, son, I didn't call you. Go sit in timeout. That's silly, right? You see how silly that is, right? So, so the response is, Lord, I, I, I really feel like this is you. I really feel like I'm hearing you, and I'm going to step out. And, and if you're wrong, you're, you're wrong for the right reasons. You've been wrong about a lot of other things that were less worthy than Jesus. And this is something that I'm like, I'm willing to be wrong about this. I'm, I, if I'm wrong, I'll step out and be wrong for this because I was wrong following this and following that. I was wrong and I messed up here. Let me just be wrong for Jesus for once. Let me just be wrong for him. Let me, like, if I'm going to be wrong, let it be wrong for Jesus. And you step out and then his promises step in. I'll work all things together for the good of those who love me. I dare you to try to make a wrong step in hearing him and following him. He has a promise and a responsibility of working it together. This is the mark of our lives. This is what it looks like following Jesus. Galatians 2 verse 20 says that our lives are no longer ours. When you said yes to Jesus, your life is no longer yours. You gave your life up to him. So those, those nice things that you're pursuing for your benefit are no more. You gave your life up. I, I always use the analogy of marrying my wife. It's, I gave my life up of singleness. I, I gave it up. When you said yes to Jesus, you gave your life up. All your ambitions, your destiny, your, your dreams, your goals, everything. If you're following Jesus and you still have your own goals and destiny and dreams, you haven't started to follow him. There's no part-time Christian there is no part-time Christian. And if you feel like you've signed up for a part-time job and you put in in hours on Sunday, I feel like this is the part where like preachers say, I feel like preaching today, right? <laughs> but like this is, this, is, this, this is like, this is one of those things where I feel like if you're following Jesus today, like this needs to be another step. Like what is his mission? Because I find myself all the time walking into a path where I could possibly get stuck. Like, I start off going the right way, but at some point, you know, I just, I just have this moment, my squirrel moment, where I just see a squirrel and I start chasing the squirrel. 
And so today I want to call you back into alignment. Stop chasing the squirrels. Jesus has a mission that he's invited you to. Listen, you, you, have, you have left your boats. You have left your fathers. You have left your mothers. You have, you, if, if you've been following Jesus for more than five years, you have given up way too much to still play around. If you started following Jesus and you have given up anything in your life, the trajectory of your life has already changed. You've come too far. You've come too far to still have one foot in and one foot out. You've given up way too much to play around. That's why Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If, you, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you. I can't do anything with you. Because you'll think you're following me, but you're only going to do the things that please you still. So why Jesus' mission is important, because this is what you laid your life down for. This is, this is what you laid your, you laid your life down for his mission. You laid your life down for his vision. You're working for him. You're working for him. Full time, you're working for him. He says, what about everything else? What about all the other stuff? What about my, Jesus says, why worry about what you're going to eat and drink? Don't, don't worry about that stuff. He says, if, 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 if you pursue him, if you put his kingdom first, everything else is going to follow. Listen, guys, don't, don't be afraid. If you put his kingdom first, everything else is going to follow. This is, this is the biggest truth that I have found to be real in many Christians' lives. If you lay your life down for him, all the things that you're chasing will follow. C.S. Lewis puts it as, if you, if, you aim for the, if you aim for the stars, you may miss and only get stars. But if you aim for the moon, if you aim further, you'll get the moon, the stars, and everything else along the way. You'll get it. Everything else is shallow. There's something so much bigger. And so if you're just aiming for the good life, that's, that's still a short reach. Because you could have a good life by any other means. But it's when you start to aim high, when you start to aim for his vision and his goal and, and his priorities, that's why his mission is important. Because if you don't know his mission, you're still living for yours. If you, if you don't know his purposes, you're still looking for yours. If you're not convinced of what Jesus wants to do in the earth, you will fulfill your own mission and your own vision, and you'll do it on his territory in his name. Jesus' mission is important to your identity. Jesus' mission is important to my identity. It is important to who you are and the way you are. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, In Christ you are a new creation. And he wiped your slate clean. He, he pushed the reset button. He started you all over. For what purposes? So you can go and do it again? No. So you can start to live for his kingdom, for his purposes, for his vision, for his mission. You're signing up for a whole different ball game here. And slowly, you have to walk out of it. The, the, some, some, sometimes I find that people are trying to find God. Like, I'm trying to find God's will trying to find God's will. Like, well, you have to start stepping out of your own. Like, you cannot find God's will if you're still walking in your own. At some point, you've got to step out of yours to step into his. The revelation of the God that you're seeking, it comes at the end of the God that you're serving. And sometimes the God that we're serving is his self. And the moment that we stop serving self and we step out of that, you step into his mission, you step into his vision, and life gets a lot better. Your life has a much bigger purpose than you think. And the second thing is that um, Jesus' mission is important to your gifting and to your purpose and to your daily efforts. The gifting that you have, the, the abilities that you have, the things that you can do. How many of you have like gifts and skills and talents that you're not sure what to do with them? Four people? Excellent. All right? <laughs> so, like, there, there, there's stuff that some of you are able to do and you're like, I don't even know what I could do with that. Like some of you are like, I'm really good with numbers, but I don't have a job that deal with numbers. What, what do I do? I'm really, I'm really good at this, but why did God give, give me this gift in? And I promise you that the moment that you step out of your own function, the moment you step out of your own vision, he made you, he gave you the gift. He, he knows what it's for. He knows what it's for. And so you can live the mediocre life. But there's some things, there's some giftings that are in you, and his mission is why you have them. His vision is why you have them. I want you to write this down. I am a product and a producer of Jesus' mission. 
I am a product and I am a producer of Jesus's mission. Jesus's mission is people. Jesus's mission is completely people and you're a product of Jesus's mission. Let's, let's go to Luke 4. Actually, let's go back to Luke 3 really quickly. And I want to look at, um, I want to look at how, how Jesus is so secure, how Jesus is so sure that this thing is what he's called to do. Jesus, Jesus gains popularity because he does miracles and because he teaches and preaches. Before, one of the things that captivate the most is that he teaches and he preaches with authority. He says things about himself that would seem arrogant, but somehow we understand that he's humble. There's something about Jesus where he is absolutely certain about the thing that God has called him to do. He is absolutely sure that God has called him to, to, to do this. And so he leaves his mother, he leaves his father, he knows that he's going to get killed for it, but he knows for sure that this is what God has said. And I, and I want to look at how, how can Jesus be so sure about his mission? Because moving from a realm where, where, where I didn't believe that Jesus was God, where I believed that Jesus was a historical figure at some point 2,000 years ago, and I understood that he existed historically. But moving from that and into believing that he was God, for me to follow his vision and mission, for me to be so sure about it, I need to be sure that he's sure. I, I want to know that he knows what he's doing. Like, if you, if you have a job, like you want to be sure that your boss knows what he's doing. Like, he needs to be a professional at what he's doing because I'm about to leave my other job to go work for you. You better get your stuff together. I need to know what you're doing. You better be a professional in what you're doing because I'm giving everything up to come work for you. So I need to know that you know what you're doing. I need to know that you know how to run this business. I need to know that you're a professional because I'm giving everything up to come work for you. Luke 3, verse 21 when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized. In verse 22, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. So Jesus gets baptized. The Holy Spirit comes and fits him like a glove. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And then a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He gets baptized. The Holy Spirit fills him. It all begins with the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's where it all starts. The moment that you said yes to Jesus and you were baptized, the Holy Spirit came and it filled you. Luke 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline that. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And so he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And now he goes and gets tempted. Now, as, as, as Jesus now is filled with the Holy Spirit, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit leads him to go get tempted. And, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that the testing and the, and, and the temptation proves what's inside of you, right? If you never go through anything, you'll never really know what's inside of you. And we looked at that in Deuteronomy 8, where God says that I led you through the wilderness so that you would know what's in you, like that, 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 that you would be refined and that you would know. So Jesus goes through this time of testing and he comes out of it knowing a little bit more. So yes, the dove came down, but he goes through this testing and, and he, something in him comes alive. He, he knows for sure that he's the son of God. The word that's been living inside of him as he quotes through, Deut to, through Deuteronomy 8 and, and 9, and as he quotes, the word that's inside of him begins to come alive as he quotes it. And, he's, and this has given him strength and he's stepping more and more into his identity as he says no. He says, you're fasting, you're hungry. Why don't you take this stone and turn it into bread and eat it. He says, yeah, I'm hungry, but I don't want bread that way. Perfect opportunity. He has the power to do it, but he says no to the opportunity and he walks away. Something comes alive in him. He's coming closer. He's here. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he's saying no to great opportunities because something is coming alive in him. He's learning and, and some, something is coming out of him that's been in there. Why don't you throw yourself down and, and I will raise you up and, and, and then I'll give you this city. Jesus, Jesus wants the city. He says, not like this. I don't want the city like this. He wants the resurrection. I don't want the resurrection like this. And slowly, this thing starts to come alive in him and it's starting to produce his destiny and his purpose. And, and, and so we see in Luke 4, in verse 14, after the temptation, it says that Jesus returned to Galilee. Now he's in the power of the Holy Spirit. First he was filled with the Holy Spirit and was tested. And he comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he comes out with power. 
if you never go through the testing, it's never refined. It's never refined. If you, if you never go through the testing, if you never say no to something, if you never walk away, if you never follow God beyond your own desires, there it is. If you never follow God beyond your own desires, it's never really tested and you never get to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be inside you all day. If he never gets your ear to where you can follow, you never get to walk in his power. So Jesus goes from being filled with the Holy Spirit into the temptation, gets offered all these great opportunities. He hears God and he says no. And he hears God and and he moves according to what the Spirit is doing. He comes out of this time of temptation with power. He comes out of this walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now he comes and he starts to read from the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah prophesied about 600 years before Jesus even came. And so this is, this is Jesus's prophetic word. What Isaiah is writing here is the prophetic word that was given to Jesus. And Jesus appropriated this word for himself. He says, this is me. And he stands up and he, he reads it. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery for the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Verse 21, he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying, today, this I grab hold of this promise and I'm walking in this thing. Today, I take this scripture that's about 600 years old and I'm appropriating to myself. This is me. This is why I have come. This is my mission. Full of, full of the Holy Spirit, he attains this and he starts to tell them about this, this, this mission of his. And in verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came out of his lips. It says, isn't this Joseph's son, they ask. In verse 23, Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself and you will tell me, do here in your own hometown what, you have, what we have heard you do in Capernaum. And so Jesus, he's back in his hometown and he goes to the synagogue and he reads this word and he says, this is, this is me. I'm the one who is here to set captives free. I'm the one who is here to open blind eyes. I'm the one who's here to proclaim the day of the Lord. This, this is the day. This, this is the kingdom that, that's coming. This is my mission. And, and, and this comes from a place of walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. How can you be sure? How can you be sure? How can you be sure? You, you, you get some certainty by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. There, there, is, there is no certainty apart from walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's no walking in the power of the Holy Spirit without a testing of your obedience. All right. Let's finish up with this. I'm going to talk for a little bit. And then the worship team can come back up. So we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. This is Jesus's priority. Jesus's priority is the kingdom of God. He's saying, I'm here to bring God's kingdom. And the kingdom of God is God's authority. It's God's plan for you. The the kingdom is God's plan for your life. It is God's goodness. It is God's agenda. It, it It is the fullness of who God is. Jesus says, I'm coming to bring heaven on earth. I'm convinced that I'm coming to bring heaven on earth. And it's going to open blind eyes. It's going to raise the dead. It's going to change lives. It's going to creep into homes and creep into cities. It's going to change the entire landscape of the human history. And the kingdom is going to continue to come. And he's going to invite men and women to join him on this mission. This is why Jesus came. And the, and the pinnacle, the high point of the coming of the kingdom is that he would die. Is that he would give his life for the coming of God's kingdom so that God's grace, so that God's goodness, so that God's spirit can come into the earth. And this is what we signed up for. We, we, we signed up for Jesus' mission. We signed up to do what God is doing through the life and the person of Christ. This is what you said yes to. This is what you said yes to. You, you said yes to God's kingdom coming into the earth and being a part of it. Why is this important? This is not really exciting, Denville. Preach one of those exciting messages. 
I think, I think this is extremely important because every mission that's in this room has to bow down to that mission. Every vision that's in this room has to bow down to that vision, to, to the vision of Christ coming into the world and saying, I want to come and reach people. He says, I want to set captives free. I want to open blind eyes. I want to change lives. He wants to change the scope of the human existence. This is what Jesus is coming to do. And you were a part of that. When, when, when you got saved, Jesus' mission came alive inside of you. That's what happened when you got saved. You became a part of his mission. And then he says, all right, now it's not just for you to, to be a product of the mission. It's for you to be a producer of the mission and for you to give that away. And that's why the message of the kingdom is important. That's why the gospel of the kingdom is so important. Because we can get stuck on just receiving the message of the kingdom, the goodness of the kingdom, and never become ones who are producers of the kingdom. I want you to think of at least two people in your life who is not walking with Jesus. I want you to think of at least two people in your life who, who, who you know that they're not walking with Jesus. And the first two people that come to your mind who you know who are not walking with Jesus, this is Jesus' mission. That's his mission. And I want you to think of the extent to which you have gone or to, to which you would go for them to come to know him. How far will you go to share this gospel? That's Jesus' mission. How far will you go for people to come to know the love of God? That's Jesus' mission. How, 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 do, how do you feel about blind eyes opening? How do you feel about the raising of the dead? And we say, well, Denville, that's not what I'm here for. That's Jesus' mission. How do you feel about sick people being healed? Well, that's not what I'm here for. Well, that's Jesus' mission. How do you feel about the acceptable year of the Lord's favor? How do you feel about God, God saying, listen, I don't want you to work for this season. I just want to be gracious to you. Denville, I don't like that message either. That's Jesus' mission. How, 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 do you, how do you feel about people who are living in blatant sin, turning their lives around? Well, Denville, I don't want to be harsh and mean to anyone. That's Jesus' mission. How do you feel about people who are living in alternative lifestyles? And let me tell you something. Hashtags do, do not get to propagate God's gospel. Just because something is liked and many hashtags and like buttons are clicked, that's not truth. That's not how truth comes. And I want you to write down, what you believe matters. What you believe matters and truth changes everything. And that's the theme I want to write on for the next few weeks. What you believe matters and truth changes everything. If you believe something that's not true, then you will live for something that's not true. This is why Jesus' mission is important. Whatever you believe is true, that's what you're going to live for. That's, that's what you're going to propagate. That's what you're going to popularize. And I find that oftentimes truth in our culture is how many likes, is how, how many hashtags, how many people have said yes, how many parades, because the majority wins. And if you have not said yes to Jesus, the majority will win and the kingdom will lose. You said yes to the kingdom. You said yes to the kingdom. So I don't care how popular, I don't care how popular anything is in social media. What you believe matters. What you believe absolutely matters. Jesus says that everything is contingent upon what you believe. He says everything is contingent on what you believe. Why don't you go to John 6, John 6, verse 28. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe the one who he sent. If you want to do God's work, believe the one he sent. Not what's popular. Believe the one he sent. And Jesus said some things that I know some people in this room cannot believe. And what you believe matters. And the moment you come into agreement with truth, it changes everything. John eight thirty one 31, to, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are already my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
What you believe matters and truth changes everything. The truth is, this is Jesus's mission. The truth is, you said yes to it. Until you believe it, you're in the wilderness. Until you believe it, you're on the hamster wheel. Until you believe it, you're still living for self. Until you believe it, until you believe it, this is what you said yes to. This is what we said yes to. This is, this is, this is what we want to gather around. This is what we want to gather around. What you believe matters and truth changes everything. And so whatever you believe that your mission is, that's what you're going to work towards. Whatever you believe is most important in your life, that's what, that's what you're going to aim towards. What is the most important thing in your life? And, and that is the God that you're serving. That's the God that you're serving. So be, become the best person in the office and make the most money, be the best student. That's the God that you're serving. If that is your aim, if that, if that, is, if that is the thing that you're aiming for, what you believe matters and truth changes everything. And until we believe a measure of truth of why Jesus came and what he came for, can't tell you how many Christians I've met that walk in and out and back and forth and up and down. It's like, it's just this thing where it, a life is just this, 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 this roller coaster. What you believe matters and truth changes everything. And Jesus's mission has to be your mission. It has to be your mission. It has to be your mission. So I've put some readings up for this, this week through the gospel of Mark. Um, if you could put those up, I just ask you to write those, those down. And, and, and I want you to look at Jesus's mission here. All right, this is, this is, this is the part where, where you actually have to do this. This is the part that I can't give you. The ministry team can give you. No one can give you this. This is about you going. Can you put up the other slide? It kind of break, breaks it down. All right, there we go. All right, this is um, Mark chapter one, right? Mark, Mark chapter one, I've divided it into some sections. And just what I want to invite you to do is, is on Monday, Mark chapter one, verses one through four, just a small section. Just want you to read that. Just press and spend some time with the Lord, being the quiet Lord. What are you saying in this? Just read it. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then, on, on, and, and then journal, just write down some impressions. Get turned on to Jesus's mission, right? Tuesday, Mark chapter one. I want you to read verse one through four and add in verse five in that. And, and that's how this is going to pro- progress. So Wednesday, verse one through seven. Thursday, verse one through 12. Friday, verse one to 15. And Saturday, verse one to 20. No, I've never done this before, but this is what I feel like the Lord is doing. And, and, and what, I, what, what I want to invite you to do, what I want to invite you to do is just to start to take Jesus's mission seriously. Like, we just have to start to take his mission seriously. Otherwise, my fear is that we will become a church who just do things outside of the mission of God and just do things because they're popular or do things because they're fun or do things because they're exciting or because it draws crowds or whatever it is. I'm faithful to the one. I want to be faithful to the one. If there's one person in here who will give their lives up to follow Jesus and it takes them to a place where they lead millions, that's much better than me entertaining a hundred people in this room. Because Jesus' mission is about that. His mission absolutely matters. We hope you enjoyed this message from the Doral Vineyard Church by Denville Leafs. For more information, please visit us at doralvineyard.org.